0: This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer. For another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.
1: Happy New Year, Wheeler. Happy New Year. What do you got, Uh, Is your mouth empty?
2: Man, this is... Family friendly podcast here. We no, I'm just, I'm family asking. Family friendly podcast This my is friend. family friendly. I was simply I was talking about uh, chips.
1: Chips and dip. Here We're at Westlake Brewing uh, in Deep Element, Dallas, uh, and just in the shadows of downtown Dallas. Yeah. And uh, Whiteley's over here stuffing his face and pounding down beers. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last New time, Year's Day, man. Come on. the last time we hear, and, and you're having the super dry, is super that what dry, Yeah. And I'm having the porter here, which only has a sip left. So I'm gonna have to get that refreshed. <laughs> and I'm
2: the one pounding down the beers, right? Yeah. I'm that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're probably, you know, beyond me though. You're probably on your second one there. Uh, and, 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 you know, the last time we were here and I, have talked about this before, yeah. uh, we were speaking with Ed Lavendera from CNN about mm. this really incredible piece that he did called deep in the pockets of Texas for CNN documentary for CNN. Yes. And it was uh, all talking about how we had got these two billionaires here in Texas who've been, you know, helping uh, candidates to get elected uh, around the state uh, and, you know, further to the right Right. uh, candidates in a lot of cases and one of the big priorities that they have is school vouchers, and uh, you know, trying to, to, to push that here in Texas, which it's been kind of an uphill push. There's been some resistance to doing this in past legislatures, uh, but you know, we, we've seen it gaining some traction as the years have gone right. by, and so you know we're looking at we're revisiting some of our episodes from last year that were the biggest of you know the episodes that we had downloaded and one of them had to do with this very subject and
2: this is going to be in the news again this month right now because the legislature is going to be meeting on on the, the 10th of january is when they gavel back into session but if you don't know what school vouchers are just quick 10 cent version of them it's it's an the idea is you can take a The chunk of tax money that you pay into your public school, your ISD, you can take that and apply that money to a private school if you want to send your kid to another type of educational location. Yeah,
1: proponents of this call it school choice. School choice. Uh, Opponents say that it totally undermines public schools. You'll gut
2: the public schools if you're taking money out of their budgets. Right. You know, how will they be able to buy... You know, erasers for the chalkboard, et cetera, keep the lights on. Because what you
1: take to that private exactly. school is coming out of the budgets of the, the local school districts.
2: W- what struck us about this episode, I remember why we originally did it, um, but this, the, the opponents in this episode are a religious organization. Right. Right. Baptist baptist ministers are against this idea they're not the only ones against it but for the, the fact that you have a religious organization coming out against it when as you said school vouchers who are proposed by far-right candidates and far-right ideas mm-hmm. they're still having trouble with a republican-led legislature and mm-hmm. now the fact that you have uh, baptists who are again coming out against this that's that's something to be said there I think about
1: this. Mm -hmm. And so we revisit this episode now. Uh, We had two men uh, on the podcast with us this time. Uh, The first Reverend Charles Johnson, uh, the Executive Director of Pastors for Texas Children. Uh, We also brought in Mark Wingfield who is the Executive Director and Publisher of Baptist News Global Uh, and they shared their thoughts on this uh, and it was uh, fairly enlightening to hear their point of view. Let's press play. All right, uh, everybody, welcome back for another week of uh, Yolitics. Jason, what are you drinking today? This is a first for me, my friend. <laughs> Empty pint glass here today. Wow. Empty okay. pint glass. Uh,
2: you know why, Wheeler? Because we're going to church. So show me what you're drinking, we are. man.
1: Uh, this is, and this is not a first for you. You had dry January. I don't know. I, you know, I, I wake up that. all the time. It's so dry. Outside. I'm drinking that right there. Right, gin. Uh, is that Hendricks yeah, gin? Yeah. What is that? That's three shots of vodka <laughs> in a glass it's water, just pure water. Because you're right, uh, we are. Uh, we're gonna be speaking with a reverend here first, and it just seemed, I don't know, seemed wrong. Yeah, no, you, you can't crack a beer and then talk religion <laughs> and, and politics
2: with. We're talking with about
1: religion and well, not just religion and politics. We're talking about religion and politics and public education. Yeah. all in one here, and, and it seems like all of those have kind of melded together, uh, depending on, you know, what school board meeting you're in or, you know, in some cases, which uh, ad you're listening to.
2: We've been talking about, you know, how to do this and trying to do this podcast for a while because, you know, we've seen superintendents leave. We've seen uh, an outgoing state legislator from Fort Worth. His name is Matt Krause, a Republican, sending out a letter late last year to a number of school districts asking if they had any of 850 Books in their libraries. Why? He didn't really explain why, but he wanted to find out if they did. Uh, th- there's a lot of scrutiny of public education right now. And there are a number of, of pastors and, and uh, you know Baptist religious leaders who are pushing back on this, defending public school teachers. In, in fact, there's, there's an organization in Fort Worth, in Tarrant County in North Texas, called uh, Pastors for Children. It's based there in Fort Worth. And they're taking out an ad to to counter all of this stuff. The ad started playing Monday on television and on radio. Here's one of them in case you haven't heard it.
0: Texas public schools are under attack. Hardliners refer to your neighborhood school as a babysitting service, and teachers as unemployable adults. They wanna close our public schools and send your tax dollars to private and charter schools without taxpayer accountability. Enough with this garbage. It's time to stand and fight for our kids. We are calling on parents and teachers to vote for candidates that will support and protect our schools, not for those that will destroy them. Political ad paid for by Pastors for Children. So, Wheeler, what you
2: have have here, you have evangelicals pushing back against conservatives. Let let me say that Uh, again. Evangelicals pushing back against conservatives. That's what's so odd about this, man.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and and this, of course, is one of many ads that you're going to be hearing right now, because we are in the thick of political season, early voting now underway for the primaries here in Texas. This is a midterm year, bunch of things on the ballot, bunch of people on the ballot. Uh, but you know, these folks are basically saying, don't forget about the bottom of the ballot. You know, when you start getting into these school board uh, races and, and, and these local races, because uh, there is a concerted movement now, as you were talking about, Jason, uh, to to take on public education and to some in in some cases to take out public education and and push for these voucher programs. And so they're coming out strong uh, not only trying to get people to vote but trying to get people, involved in this process so that it's not just one side that you keep seeing at these heated school board meetings uh with these you know beleaguered superintendents who just keep on falling off of the job they're, they're leaving in droves
2: they are i think there's what eight or nine that are gone from north texas alone
1: um, I looked up jobs the other day for superintendents in Texas, and there were dozens of entries if you wanted wow. to, you know, try to get a superintendent job. yeah, I'm just fine with co-hosting uh, Yolatics here. <laughs> yeah, um but you
2: know, we, we have two people on our program today, um, and the reason we aren't drinking uh, is because we are going to talk to both of these folks here today, not that I guess it matters. I mean we we've we've had beers with ambassadors and different folks. but anyways, out of respect, we we, we just want to, um, you know, Put down the pint for today. We have Mark Wingfield on. He is the um, the executive director of uh, Baptist News Global. He's from North Texas. He wrote a a uh, an op ed that I found scrolling through Facebook the other day, and the mm-hmm. thing started trending. Uh,
1: that's yeah. Probably you weren't why the I... only one who saw that in your feed.
2: Yeah, it's probably why I showed up in my feed. So it started trending after that. But we also uh, saw in in uh, my Twitter feed uh, a little fight, a little Twitter fight, a little argument going on between U.S. Congressman Chip Roy from Central Texas, a Republican from Central Texas, and an organization that took out that ad you just heard a moment ago called uh, Pastors for Texas Children.
1: So we have on the line with us here uh, Reverend Charles Foster Johnson, who is a a part of Texas Pastors for Children. He's also co-pastor of Bread, which is a faith community in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, And he has been Pretty busy lately, uh, Jason. Uh, not you know, you know, in politics, but you know, with this ad and on social media, uh, and uh, not necessarily busy with politics in the way that you know most of the rest of us are engaging.
2: Pastor, thanks for being here. You you have been super busy, as Jason was mentioning, but early voting is also underway. So uh, have you had you know had a chance to even cast your ballot
0: yet? Uh, you know, Jason, I haven't. We don't endorse candidates. I joke with people. I don't have too many uh, confidential or discreet statements to make about public education. I kind of have one note, and I hit it hard and loud and often. (laughs) What, What note
2: is that then?
0: Yeah, that the whole community should... overwhelmingly, unanimously support public schools. And and teachers are our first responders, and they are frontline workers for the common good. And the teaching profession should be among uh, the most esteemed in the community. And we should turn the classroom over to that well-trained, God-called teacher, and that that is a moral uh, obligation and a moral provision. Therefore, clergy should be, uh, the chief public education advocates.
2: Well, pastor, if, if I'm watching the news, there, there's a lot of evangelical Christians that, that, uh, you know, I, I would think probably don't agree with you. What do you you say to them?
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's correct, Jason. It does seem that way, doesn't it? I think what we have is some of our political leaders who have gotten a memo from highly politicized factories in Washington, disinformation factories, to attack public school teachers. And so they're doing that in an artificial and contrived way. And we're seeing a real disconnect between what people like Ted Cruz and Chip Roy are saying on one hand And the people, even the evangelical people like me and like our pastors in the community, on the other hand, it's very, very interesting. Now, having said that, of course, we do have a few faith leaders who, for whatever reason, think that public education is wrong and do not support it. But the overwhelming majority of pastors of all denominations and all traditions, including other faiths, Jewish and Muslim, know that we've got to educate our children, that that's God's will. And the only way to protect and really preserve that is through the public trust.
1: Pastor, since you bring up uh, Chip Roy, let's talk about him. Uh, he's the congressman from the 21st Congressional District, which stretches from Austin down towards San Antonio and then out in points west. And he has really been uh, out there uh, looking for what he calls uh, education freedom freedom. Uh, which we we take to mean, uh, you know, perhaps charter schools and and drifting away from the public education model. Uh, He's been real critical about what he calls critical race theory teaching and woke teaching, uh, that it's a, a, a liberal industry, essentially um and uh there's a group called texas pastors for children i assume you're part of that group there on on twitter right
0: i am the executive director of pastors for texas children that's correct and our 501c4 is pastors for children
1: and i'm not sure if you're the one who actually writes the tweets but somebody did uh and and sent this one out that says uh, attack teachers lie about them call them pornographers they know that teachers are too busy saving kids' lives to push back. This is the new moral swamp of Texas politics. And then the back yeah. and forth began. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, and even last week, Jason, unfortunately, uh, you know, it feels awful to be personally uh, attacked our nonprofit it does feel personal by a federal congressman. That's a pretty powerful position. There are only 435 of them, if I can remember my public school civics lessons accurately. Mm-hmm. And so this man has a lot of power. He knows that CRT and uh, anti-Americanism is not taught in public schools. Do we have a few isolated incidents? Of course we do. It's a big system. We have 8,500 public schools. We have 1.2 million million active and retired teachers hey there isn't any such thing as a perfect church and there's no such thing as a perfect school system but look for a congressman to take that uh, isolated incident and just uh, levy this broadside against our teachers 65 percent of our children are poor y'all they're on free and reduced lunch these are people who work long hours at low pay with our poorest children It is the responsibility of the governor, the lieutenant governor, our Senate members and our federal congressmen to support them, to encourage them, to have messaging that is going to lift them up. And the nonprofit uh, faith leaders and pastors who undergird them, pray for them, who encourage them, who support them. So what happened was Thursday, a week ago, uh, Congressman Roy came after us, trolled us. We didn't we didn't tag him. He saw our message. He trolled us. He attacked us with, um, um, and you see, you read the Baptist News uh, Global article. I'm sure Mark Wingfield talked to you about that. And then yesterday again, or the day before yesterday, all over again. And I'm thinking, you know, Congressman, we got a lot of challenges in this country. Do you really want to take your time, uh, uh, lambasting pastors who are trying to uphold the public good, the constitutionally? Uh, provided and protected public good in the Texas Constitution. So, yeah, it's unpleasant, and we don't understand it. But it's so, speaking of woke, it sure woke us up. Mm. What is going on here? Yeah, the con- for a federal congressman to you know frontally attack ministers.
1: Yeah, just just so, for people who haven't seen the tweet, the congressman basically responded back that you all were using Texas uh, teachers to hide behind. While you were in cahoots with powerful teachers unions to subject non-rich parents to what he calls a monopoly system with little control or options for their kids. And then he said very pastoral of you. Did you ever think that you would be in a position of defending your religiosity, essentially?
0: Jason, we're in a strange time. We're in a dangerous time. No is the answer to your question. And, you know, everybody is just nonplussed, uh, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, moderates. You know, we've got a few liberals in Texas, not many. They all probably live down there in Austin. So maybe Congressman Roy's perspective is a little, uh, is a little skewed down there. Uh, but no, we, he's wrong about uh, the voucher, protecting poor children. Voucher schools fail. The data is in. We have a data, you know, informed conclusion on that. Uh, poor children are much better off in our traditional public schools. Do we have issues and problems, challenges? You better believe we do. I mean, we're at 44th in the nation in per pupil spending in Texas. It could start by properly funding our schools. But to take that four dollars or $5,000 voucher, that doesn't pay for a quality education for a child. Congressman Roy knows that. No, what that money is going to do is subsidize the p- private education for affluent families whose children are already in private schools. And he knows that. Those are the people in his political base that he wants to placate, I imagine after March 1st, we're going to see a recalibration of this message. I imagine we're going to see a uh, sort of, you know, Congressman Roy and Senator Cruz lightening up a little bit. So as they sort of track back toward the center to get some of those moderate Republican votes, but we just think it's egregiously wrong.
2: So you think uh, Pastor Johnson after they get through the election they, they won't have to to use this rhetoric and go after public schools as much after their their voters have already turned out and, and cast their ballots in right?
0: That's why we say we're in a moral crisis Jason. Well,
2: well, Pastor, what do you think the end game is for these conservative lawmakers?
0: They don't know and we don't either. Their whole project is chaos. Uh, they they have no plan, they have no purpose, they have no clarity of vision. The scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish, and we are in it right now. We've got an education crisis, we've got a healthcare crisis, you know, we've got an energy crisis. Uh, This this state is in a very tenuous place right now.
1: So Pastors for Children, uh, you've got uh, some radio and television ads, some spots that are coming out What is it that those are aiming to do? What is what's sort of the call to action on those?
0: We are trying to uh, um, empower and embolden the community to find their voice, to stand up and speak out for public education. We've got to disconnect, guys, between the community at large and the public school in the neighborhood. Because voting, you know, the people who are voting are older people whose children are no, they're a product of public schools, but their children increasingly are, are, you know, are out of school. They don't have children in public schools and they are more susceptible to the disinformation campaign coming out of the Heritage Foundation, the Charles Koch funded Heritage Foundation and Cato Institute, these powerful so-called think tanks in Washington that are funding this malarkey. Uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation here in Texas, uh, Empower Texans, whatever their group is now, Michael Quinn Sullivan is the head of that group, who called but a public school teachers babysitter. several weeks ago. One of our media spots uh, is uh, informing the public about that. We're trying to get them to go vote for a House member, Republican and Democrat, who will oppose vouchers, who will support funding, who will oppose the standardized tests, and who will support turning that classroom back over to the teacher who knows and loves those children and is best able to educate them and assess their educational progress.
2: Yeah, Pastor, some of our listeners might actually start hearing these, uh, these ads or seeing them on television here shortly. And, and I'm, I'm curious because since, as you mentioned, the older voters are the most reliable voters who physically show up at the polls all the time, what is a parent supposed to do? I mean, how do they go and differentiate, you know, where someone stands on abortion, gun rights, um, you know, education, vouchers, et cetera? How do I go in there and, and dig up this information and actually use it to, uh, to get something done?
0: Yeah, it's, it's confusing, isn't it, Jason? It's a very good question. And I don't think we have any easy answers on that question. I'm going to tell you, you know, we're pastors, we're faith leaders, we're pro-life people, okay? And so we too have, uh, uh, sometimes we're just uh, confused about why education isn't part of a pro-life agenda, right? Why education, public education, isn't part of a patriotic, pro-American, a pro-capitalist, pro-business kind of uh, message. It ought to be. So not only, I guess that reminds me to to say to you guys, not only are we trying to wake up the public at large, the community at large, through parents, through teachers, we got, as I said, 1.2 million active and retired public school employees, what if they were really mobilized to vote they would be they would be a constituency wouldn't they that could be determinative in an election not only are we trying to light a fire under them we're trying to get public servants like congressman roy you know i don't know him personally another reason why we just don't you know we we just don't troll people. We don't attack people. personally. Now, if you're a public servant and you're lying about our teachers, we're going to tag you. We're going to call you out every time. Now, that's a little bit different than a private citizen that is trying to do you know, the right thing on behalf of our children and teachers. But we're trying to get the right wing of the Republican Party. I hate to say it. I'll get to the Democrats in a minute, guys. Just give me a minute. But the right wing of the Republican Party that's gone whole hog for vouchers, which are failed, basically it's diverting public money to private interests for personal financial gain. Now, let me, in the same breath, let me talk about those Democrats that are in Austin and Dallas and Fort Worth and San Antonio. Their privatization model of choice is charter schools. Now we've got charter schools popping up all over the state that do the same thing that take our public money without proper accountability and oversight and send them, channel them to private interests. So we're an equal opportunity offender. You know, we have a way as we're not used to as pastors making everybody mad, y'all. We don't get that. You know, we're just trying to do the Article 7, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution, a general uh, a diffusion of knowledge being essential for the preservation of the liberties and rights of the people the legislature of this state shall make suitable provision for public free schools we look at genesis chapter 2 god brought all the animals to the human to see what the human would call them that's education Education is absolutely necessary in order to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. I don't mean to preach to y'all, but I do want to give you guys, you know, an understanding of what motivates us. This we're we're just this drives us nuts. Public education should not be a divisive issue.
2: Everything's divisive these days. You're exactly right. But this pastor, this is the first sermon we have had on. On Yolotix.
1: So, Actually, uh, I, I would correct that. You set the that. record for that. I would correct that. We've been preached to many times, but I don't think it's ever come from the Bible. Um, I, I'm <laughs> quoting I'm Scripture is the first year for us. I'm curious since we are quoting Scripture here, though, Pastor. Uh, so you all are active on social media with this, obviously. You're hitting the airwaves with radio and TV spots. Does this also these messages? Do they creep into the pulpit, Uh, and is there a slippery slope there? Some people will say, "Church and state, we need to keep them separate here." Uh, Does it make it its way there, and does that complicate things?
0: Jason, it's an it's an insightful question. I'm gonna, you know, I try to be honest in everything I say, even when it doesn't fit our platform. Pastors are frightened today, and pastors are definitely cautious and pastors are trying to hold their congregations together. During COVID, their people have scattered. They're just now coming back in person, right? After a long time of isolation and a long time of, uh, as, I, as I say, the, dis, the, the, the fragmentation of the congregational life. So I will say our pulpit pastors are looking to us to deliver their message. Now, having said that, I think most of our pastors are dedicated women and men who are announcing in the right kind of way, not not a shrill partisan way, certainly not calling out anybody from the pulpit. I don't do that in my church in Fort Worth. They don't do that in their churches in Dallas. They're not going to be overtly partisan from the pulpit, but they are going to encourage people to go vote. They may do it at the end of the service. Hey, a, a number of pastors did this yesterday. Y'all, early voting starts tomorrow. Go vote and go find the, do your research. Go find the candidate that's going to support our neighborhood public schools. That's the sort of soft approach, if you will, the indirect approach, if you will. And I'm going bra- to, you know, I've, I've been hard on our politicians. Let me brag on When we walk into the Capitol during the legislative session, as we do every day, Those House members and even the Senate members, the Senate under Dan Patrick's leadership has been very hard on public schools. The House is still affirming and supportive of public education, which is why we don't have a voucher plan in Texas. We're hearing now, I'm gonna say, we're hearing now uh, offline sources, the governor telling rural Republican House members up for reelection. I know I'm talking about school choice guys out on the stump, but I really don't mean vouchers. So trust me on that. I really don't mean vouchers, you know. But we're saying, Governor, listen to yourself. Listen to the kind of confusing political situation that you're creating. Where is the call to civic responsibility? Where is the call to civic duty? Where is the call to patriotism, to Americanism? To stand up for the institution that made our country great, which is public education that educated all our children, took those kids off ranches in Texas whose daddies had to sign a document with an X, the deed of their property, because they were not literate, and put those kids into a public system school system that made us the greatest state in the union that's what we want to hear from our governor guys that's what we want to hear from our senators well that's what we want to hear from our congressmen not this baloney that they concoct. crt i want to say okay if crt is a problem if pornography is a problem you guys have been in charge in texas for 27 years are you just now discovering it are you producing it what if we were to go all over the state and say that you were pornographers? You're more responsible than our public school teachers. Obviously, we're not going to do that. But you get the point. We're in this program of sheer destructive chaos. That's their only agenda. The only agenda. And that is wrong. That's immoral. We're going to call it immoral, much to Congressman Roy's chagrin. And we're going to keep calling it. Pastor, I don't mean to put you in a
2: box, but my final thing as a sum up here is, you know, I you're, you're a white male evangelical Christian. I just don't hear a lot of white male evangelical Christians saying the things you're saying. They're, they're saying just the opposite of
0: them. Jason, I don't get it. And you're not putting me in a box. It is the question. It, it is the question. You know, we're at a, we're at an interesting time in history. I'm going to try to put this past. Early. I get swole up too. I have friends that say, Charlie, for heaven's sakes, take a breath. God's on his throne and everything's going to be okay. You know, I feel a disproportionate weight of responsibility to go tell the truth as I understand the truth. Y'all the truth, anybody go to the Walmart and ask them or teachers, pornographers, are they racists? you're going to get your answer. Okay. Everybody knows that public school teachers are dedicated community leaders and servants. Jason, I don't know. We're in this time where, you know, white males, I'm soon to be 65, are uh, losing their uh, concentrated, centralized hegemony over the culture and and their influences being divested to women to people of color to younger leaders like y'all look y'all are media leaders i'm looking at two young men right here at least you look a whole lot younger than me I, I, i'm and, younger than is, uh,
1: though. i think that's the first uh, time on this podcast we've been called young men too <laughs>
0: So, you know, I think that's where we are. And I think that our political leaders are creating a lot of fear. Do I think our Texas citizens lead with fear? And um, no, I don't. And discrimination? No, I don't. Do I think our pastors preach that from the pulpit? No, I don't. I just think that, you know, some some of our pastors have been co-opted by these divisive political leaders who are advancing their political platform on the backs of public school teachers. Let that sink in, gentlemen. Let that sink in. These are the people who are with our poorest children all day long, every day, working 60 hours a week. And these politicians are attacking them, not on our watch, not without a pushback. And we may be Jeremiah crying in the wilderness, you know, 40 years without a convert, I guess we'll see March one, won't we?
1: Well, there you have it. Uh, and as we go into this election season, there's your primer right there, uh, Reverend Charlie Johnson from Fort Worth. Uh, thank you for taking the time with us and sharing this with us, and and even getting some preaching in there. Because now Whiteley, who probably didn't make it to church over the weekend, Amen, Amen. <laughs> you know
2: what, uh, Pastor? Happy early birthday to you, Wheeler. Had this is a big year for Wheeler, also. Um, but but we'll be celebrating you uh for 65 this year that, that's fantastic
0: you guys are great keep up the good work and god bless you
2: so wheeler he was quoting a lot of scripture in there i expected you to throw uh you know throw out some biblical verses as well man where were
1: you it's funny how that happened. Uh, that when he started doing that, your light went off there because we're recording here on it, Zoom. It went oh, off again. Uh, seriously, it went... I know. Just now when you said scripture, <laughs> it went off again. I do see a message here. I do see some messages happening. I don't know what's going on here, man. I, so I, I'm glad you got some. I'm glad you got some churching in there, and maybe that improved your religiosity uh, a little bit as well. Big, big word um, there. Yeah, you play Scrabble over the weekend. Is, what happened? That's a. Where'd you get uh, that? That would be like a sixty four point word. Uh, but you know, he made some really strong statements there and uh he's coming out uh very forcefully and again uh he's doing it he's he's giving it to to both sides here he's giving it to both parties and i know you know some people get annoyed when they hear this both sides isms it's clear where the, the the thrust of this is going and that right. is to the far right though uh but it doesn't stop there
2: yeah it, it doesn't stop there so let's go back to that facebook feed when i was scrolling through it before going to bed the other night i i was uh, going through it and someone posted on there Um, an article from Baptist News saying, stop the insanity and the attacks over public education. So I was thinking it was clickbait. I said, okay, I'll bite. You know, it's late. I'll see what it is. Um, And I I clicked on it, opened it up, and it was uh, essentially another uh, uh, white male, religious conservative, uh, evangelical, who was making the argument that, hey, these attacks on public education from the right have got to stop so i looked this uh this guy up his name's mark wingfield and uh reached out to him and said hey mark you gotta join the podcast and he's on the line with us right now
1: hey mark thanks for uh being on the podcast with us today uh we we understand that you are super busy uh following uh this op-ed that the the responses have been pouring in so thanks for being here
3: oh my god yes
1: (laughs) okay mark i want to start with this first question here you wrote in this op-ed
2: It is disgusting, dismaying, and disheartening to see the continued attack on public education from conservative evangelical Christians and people who pretend to be evangelical Christians, you wrote, but couldn't find John 3.16 in the Bible if you asked them. You said it is time to stop being shocked at this behavior and stand up against it. So my question is, what is someone supposed to do with this information?
3: Well, uh, so my kids are grown. I I have twin boys who are 29 years old. We live in lake highlands in dallas we're in richardson isd my kids went from first grade through 12th grade uh, at lake highlands high school and in, in the lake Highlands system right <clears throat> and had a wonderful experience here i last year went and spoke at the richardson school board meeting against banning books because the same group of parents was there it just spreading the crazy uh, at the time, it was all it was about masks and race, and they didn't want their kids exposed to books on you know race that made them feel bad and all this. And here I am, just a, a concerned parent who still—I mean, I can see my elementary school out my window yeah. here, we that close to it, still involved, still have neighbors with kids in the school, so I care deeply about it. And you can be heard. Now, unfortunately, things have not gone well in our top rated school district because more people, uh, who have this view have not stood up. And we've had some Trojan horses, I think, get through on the school board and that's a whole nother issue.
1: So is that part of the reason why you wrote this op-ed is to sort of shake other parents out there and go, Hey, I yes. know that you're working like crazy <laughs> and you're busy, but you got to show up to these things because otherwise there's no voice opposing.
3: Well, no, that's exactly right. Because, uh, the people like me, um, don't want to be confrontational. Uh, But the people who are trying to take over school boards right now, they're all geared up to be confrontational. And so we've got to be awakened and we've got to be uh, activated because it is, I'm absolutely convinced all the data show this is a minority. It is a very vocal minority nationwide that's being motivated, stoked by some big interests to Come and take over uh, schools and school boards. It is not a majority opinion.
2: I thought what was really important about your your op-ed, um, Mark, is that you went back and you talked about the history of this. And I grew up in the South, and and you mentioned some history that I did not know. I was I was part of integration, um, so I, yeah. I, I understand uh, you know kind of how some of this unfolded. But I didn't realize uh, all of this here too. You talk about the opposition to this goes back to the nineteen sixties. This is sixty something years old. Um, And and you you talked about um, just the issues around that. It it took me back to thinking about Ruby Bridges, Little Rock, Arkansas, Central High School there when she was six years old. Um, Back then, though, you wrote that in order for parents to get away from integration, they would just go through their churches and start their own private schools to
3: protect their kids that way. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, that that was a very – the vast majority – of faith-based private elementary and high schools in America were started after Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, And there is a direct link uh, in the formation of those, whether you own up to it or not, the the fact is that there was a a surge in this. So I grew up in central Oklahoma. Uh, I was born in 1961, so I'm 60 years old. Uh, And... uh, I grew up largely in a suburb of Oklahoma City where I did not know a single Black person, not one. It was so lily white, right? Because the, the place was so segregated. Uh, so that's one way that happened. But, in, but even there, we had a you know, an independent fundamental Baptist church down the road that had started their own school because of the encroaching secularism, uh, even in the 1970s uh in in our public school system
1: (laughs) so mark you make the argument in this op-ed that it used to be that you know because people didn't want their kids mixing with kids who had uh darker skin than them that they would send their kids to private school uh and then I, i This is an interesting graph in your op-ed here. You say, but now the plan has broadened. Parents who want their kids educated in a world that hasn't existed since Little House on the Prairie are desperate to divert taxpayer funding from public schools to support their sectarian private schools. They're not willing to pay the price for being isolationists. And having failed at this unconstitutional effort, they're now trying to take over entire school boards and bend the will of public education to their whims. You see this as a a coordinated thing. You say it's a a minority of people doing this, but you see this as a very coordinated effort that has been in the works for some time.
3: Oh, absolutely! And there are several uh, national groups, and we've documented this in other stories. And groups like uh, Pastors for Texas Children and other groups like them have well documented the the coordinated effort that's going on here. And you know, it's an interesting strategy because. On one level, it's destructive because the the, the first goal is to discredit public education. And the the reason that's important is because uh, many of these folks want to divert public funding from the failing um, public schools into their successful charter schools and private schools, right? And, And the way you do that is you prove that the public schools are failing, so you set them up to fail. Uh, it, it, that's the beginning strategy to, strategy to this. Now, ultimately, uh, they want to get that money going. But then the, the new twist is there is a subset that now wants to just simply take over the public school. Um, I honestly don't know if that is, even if that's not successful, if you sow enough doubt in public education, This is the same play that we're seeing happen on election integrity all across the country. All you have to do is make people suspicious, right? And that's what this is about ultimately is weakening the bonds of support for public education as we know it so that you can say, oh, look, they're failing. Uh, They're failing and we we need to take that money and give it to schools that are gonna do good. And here's our private school uh that's gonna do
2: that mark let's talk about the headlines that, that we're all seeing superintendents quitting across the state in north yeah. texas we we've had what seven eight nine something like that nine. including richardson isd where where you were talking about recently Five. critical race theory has been out there a lot of people don't understand what in the world that is in tennessee um a, a school board there uh banned a book about the holocaust and then the governor right. after that ban The governor said, yeah, yeah, we need to take a look at all this stuff, at all the books in the public school libraries to make sure they are age appropriate. There's something kind of similar happening uh, in Texas, as as we all know, too. But then you also mentioned your op-ed about a state senator in Oklahoma and something that he is proposing. And since you wrote this, you've heard from the state senator. Tell us what he's proposing and what he said after your (laughs) op-ed.
3: So this, this state senator has proposed a bill that I understand from his email to me this morning. he is now withdrawn, um, but he's accused me of slandering him and his good name uh, by pointing out the fact that he uh, has, had introduced this legislation that would have imposed a minimum $10,000 fine on a public school teacher who, who, who leads any child. To be taught or told something that's contrary to their own deeply held religious beliefs, which as I pointed out in the op-ed is insanity. What teacher would work in that system? But yet, uh, this guy wrote me back a lengthy email this morning uh, accusing me and my mother, who is long dead by the way, uh, because I mentioned in the op-ed that I'm the child of a public school teacher who taught a lot of her career in Oklahoma, uh, and he, he has lumped her in with the vast left wing conspiracy that he sees going on. And, uh, I, you know, she's been dead 10 years and hadn't taught in 30, uh, but, but he's not bothered to ask asking those questions. He's just automatically lumped her in with this, 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 this thing that he sees as this ever present threat, uh, of, of leftism, uh, and, it's just, I mean, the, the only word I can think of is insanity. It, it, there is nothing rational about this thought.
1: When you saw that you had an email in your inbox uh, from him <laughs> after writing this, you know, and, and, and you're asking other people to get involved. Did you feel, I mean, that email could have said anything when you clicked on it. It could have been a way to go, you know what, I read this. I had a different perspective after reading this. <laughs> It yeah, could have said a lot. Of, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's okay to be hopeful though, right? Uh, but, you know, it, it could have said so many things, you know, is that demoralizing for you that, you know, you're, you're pushing this envelope and you know, you just, you're getting a pushback, you know, yeah. and, and how do other people think, well, yeah, let me get involved in this.
3: Well, you know, uh, we journalists develop tough skin over time. I've been doing this a long time and uh, you learn, uh, I, I know that what I'm saying is right, uh, and I know that I called him out justly on this, so it, it's, I don't have remorse in that regard because uh, I, I know the facts are on my side. He's not dealing in facts. He's dealing in some alternate reality that he sees here, and so it's, it's humorous. It's sad. I, I mean, to think that someone with such a bizarre ability to not reason, can get elected to the state Senate in Oklahoma. And I'm sure he could get elected in Texas as well. Uh, It's just mind boggling that it's come to this.
2: I thought this next line that that I'm about to read here was the most important uh, in there and and probably one that might be the lightning rod. Uh, Mark, you wrote that we cannot fail to connect the dots between this attack on public education and the larger political maneuverings in our nation. This is, you wrote, at root about Christian nationalism, and more specifically, white Christian nationalism. This is motivated by racism, fear of science, and a desire to rewrite history. It is taking the failed, tiki-torch-lit slogan of Make America Great Again and applying it to public education. What has been the reaction to, uh, to evangelicals, fellow Baptists, Christians? What, what have they said about this?
3: Well, um, first of all, this, this opinion piece is by a landslide, the most read uh, thing on our site this year so far and is accumulating uh, tens of thousands of page views. So it's certainly being passed around and shared. And most of it is in a very positive way uh, with people saying, yes, this is exactly how I feel. Thank you for saying this, right? Because again, there's an unspoken majority that's just tired of getting trampled on uh, by these extremists. Uh, yes, there are a few people, I, I've had to go through and delete some uh, nasty comments off of social media uh, where, where people responded with just you know typical um, conspiracy theories. But the point is all of this is related and the root of this is what we call white Christian nationalism. And this is what's driving the ginned up debate over critical race theory that's not a real problem. Uh, It's been labeled as such. This is what's driving the the, the desire to ban books. Uh, And all of these things, it ultimately is seeking uh, control uh, of society, not just schools, but schools are emblematic of that, right? Uh, By a narrow white Christian nationalist religion.
1: So let me ask you this, then if 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 it's white Christian nationalism, is it going to primarily take other white Christians who don't agree with it to make a change to spearhead the change?
3: Yes, I think so. This this is this is one of the the keys that's got to happen. Uh, But it's got to be a coalition, too, because, uh, again, look at the demographics of America today uh, and fewer than 50 percent of people, uh, Gallup says, are uh, members of churches uh, today. Churches, synagogues, any religious organization. So you have more than half of the population that's not actively affiliated with religion. Um, so that's, a, that's an important part of it, right? But as, to circle back, one of the things that I noted earlier is we also know from the data that there are a lot of people who are latching on to this right-wing ideology who call themselves evangelical but really, are not even Christian. Uh, they they they've attached this as a political label. So the very word evangelical today, sadly, has been made into a political label more than a religious label. And so we're, we are speaking against um, this this Christianized form of politics, but also politics that's claimed the name of Christian. But to
1: put a fi- finer point on that, you you. you think that other white Christians need to show up and say, hey, the people that you've seen at some of these school board meetings, they don't represent all of us. This is, this right, moment. that's
3: why someone like me is at a school board saying, look, this is why I get a hearing, right? Because I am an older, <laughs> older white male and you've got to use the privilege you have. I, I, I'm not saying it's good for me to have this privilege, but I've got it. And how am I going to be responsible with it, right? Right. So I can show up and say this and they say, look, he's he's he is a religious leader, he's a male, he's white, he's been in this district for 23 years. We've seen him, we know his kids, uh, we know his family, we know he was involved as a volunteer in the school system throughout. Uh and yeah, you have some credibility and more people like me need to be speaking up.
2: Mark, but, but what is the end goal of these white Christian nationalists to, to be the, the school board and the president of the school board and and, and decide yes. this stuff or, or what?
3: Well, this is what we see happening in other districts. You know, the Fair uh, district outside Houston is a great example of this, where in the last election cycle, they unseated three uh, incumbents including um, a, a black Baptist pastor um, who was the only black member of the board uh, with three of their far right candidates. And then they've immediately begun uh, dismantling uh, equity and inclusion initiatives by the district. Uh, that is a strongly diverse ethnic, the ethnically diverse district outside Houston, right? and. I believe it's the second largest uh, district in the state uh, as well, and they're having this effect, right? Uh, and then, inter- I mean, this is where one of the new school board members made the comment that uh, was recently was very disparaging about uh, the ineffectiveness of black teachers in the district. And so, yeah, they once they're there, they are making immediate changes and pushing for changes. And sadly, you know, here again, back to Richardson, why did we lose our superintendent? We lost our award-winning recognized superintendent, Jeannie Stone, because the school board would not support her. There was not a majority left on the school board that would stand up against the bullies and support her. And she said, I don't have to take this anymore.
1: Well, part of the reason that I think it's so interesting to talk to you about this right now, because of what you just said there, is that early voting uh, is now underway in, um, in in the primary this starting this right. week. And we've got elections coming up this year. And that includes, you know, in some cases, school board elections. And those are the ones that no one pays attention to. You know, it's further down the ballot. Maybe right. you don't know the names. You haven't really kept up. But be guaranteed that political parties are keeping track of those uh, elections, even though they're nonpartisan, uh, the political parties are more and more getting involved in those very hyper-local elections.
3: Yes. So, and again, go to back go back to sci District outside Houston. Uh, the Houston Republican Party was deeply involved in organizing the campaign of those three uh, new school board members who who unseated the, the three incumbents in one fell swoop. First time ever they've documented this level of uh, political party affiliation in uh, a massive campaign effort. And here again in Richardson, um, I just saw notice a couple of days ago that one of the, the parents who's been a ringleader in raising havoc at the school district is running for the open seat that represents my zone here in Lake Highlands. And, uh, you know, th- th- this is, um, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the playbook. And li- when I say playbook, I mean literally a playbook. You can go on websites from some of these Heritage Foundation type organizations, including the Heritage Foundation. And you can download a literal playbook on how to take over your school district. And They're just out
1: to, there. Just to pull that thread a little bit more, uh, when you talk about people taking over the boards of these school districts, who hires the superintendent? And we see how many openings there are. It's the school board that hires the, the
3: superintendent. Yeah. And you got to wonder who would want to be a school superintendent right now. Yeah, that's, you know, that's got to be the worst job ever. That's a
2: good point. But but are these, Cypher uh, is a huge district on the north side of Houston, uh, but are these kind of just scattered cases, or how critical do you think this is right now in the state of Texas?
3: Well, so we see this happening statewide. We see this happening happening nationwide. Now, it is true that there has been a concerted effort, and uh, when you talk to Charlie Johnson, he, he can document this more. There's been a concerted effort to focus on North Texas uh, th- through this this effort. But it is much, much broader than that, And we see this happening, just border to border in the state, we see it happening coast to coast in the nation. It is a concerted effort. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's it's documented online. You can find plenty of examples of this, of, of these coordinated efforts where resources are being provided and pushed out by some of these political action committees uh, that th- they are fueling the, it, this is not a grassroots protest. This is, a, this is a coordinated political campaign that's being infused to look like a grassroots.
2: And, and Mark, if, let's say that, that you know, this, this continues to spread across the state. What do these conservatives get if they take over public education?
3: Oh, well, you, you get uh, so much because you can change curriculum. You can determine who's hired and who's fired. You can control what's taught in classrooms, just like you know, this, this bill that was offered in Oklahoma from a, from a legislative side, but school districts uh, you know, offer a, a lot of shape on this. And one of the things that's being undone through this is so much progress that had been made in making everyone feel welcome in public schools. Uh, and Richardson ISD had been an example uh, Dr. Stone's wonderful work uh, on equity and inclusion, uh, a model district in this, and this is what this group is going after because they don't like it. Uh, it and yet, the reality is Richardson ISD, people would be very surprised by this, is is not uh it is not as uniform in its ethnicity as people would expect. There's a lot of diversity, even in, in the suburban district here. You
1: know, um, when we talk about critical race theory, I think a lot of people don't even know really what that is. And, and, and just very basically, it means that, you know, racism isn't necessarily something that's held by me or held by you. in in the way we do things, it's sort of embedded into the system uh, of the United States. And, and, and so, uh, there's a lot of fear that that's being taught to children, that, you know, the United States is just uh, endemically racist. Uh, this worked, though, in the Virginia elections uh, for governor. It was a huge issue yes. there, even though it wasn't necessarily being taught in classrooms across the state. Um, and, and now we're seeing this being brought up a lot here in the midterms this year. Uh, how much of a fear do you have that people you know might not be paying attention? They hear this buzzword, this buzz phrase. And they think, yeah, I, I don't want that either. And, and that this becomes the model, that Virginia uh, thing becomes the model.
3: Oh, no, you, that's exactly it. And again, we've documented, this is, not a, this is not a secret, that this is a political strategy. It was originated by one person, largely, who saw an opportunity for this to turn critical race theory into the modern boogeyman. And it has been—it's become the catch-all buzzword. I mean, it's like communism. So it's McCarthyism all over again. But it's not communism. It's critical race theory, and and yet we have—I've uh, run dozens of opinion pieces by black clergy and black lay leaders saying, uh, "You've got it wrong. You don't even understand what this is about, right?" But you're using this word. To And it, you know, it reminds me of that famous line from The Princess Bride. Uh, I don't think that word means what you think it means. (laughs) Uh, But people are just throwing around like they know what it means because it sounds good.
1: But, Mark, you say it's all political. I'm sure that you've probably heard this uh, in some of the comments that you've gotten from people after this op-ed who say that you're being political, that you're choosing a political side here, that you're going beyond religion that you should be writing about and that you clearly have a political agenda.
3: Yeah, I hear this all the time. And here's my answer to that. Uh, Particularly in the past six years, the political religious landscape in America has shifted so far to the extreme right that those of us who used to be in the middle now look like we're on the extreme. We haven't moved. (laughs) We haven't changed. I'm the same person I was six years ago. But the landscape underneath us has shifted so far under the unbelievable right that it makes everything else look political, right? And what in any other context previously would have been a nonpartisan statement, like believing in facts and science, uh, you know, this is normal, middle. but now that we're extremists. Well, on the
1: left, you're, you're, you're seen as an extremist on the left now.
3: That's you know, right. For staying, yeah.
1: standing in the middle.
3: I'm, I'm still standing where I'm going. Right.
1: We, yeah,
2: yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people haven't moved. It's worth restating here, Mark, my, my, my final thing for you. Uh, it's worth restating that education, public education, is the great equalizer. And, and I, I want to end my uh, thing here with, with another quote you said. You said, it's time to make plain that whatever sincerely held religious beliefs that some parents may have, they may not force those beliefs in the revisionist history on all children. After this conversation, what am I supposed to do with this information? Because I, you know, my kids are, are school aged children. School, as Jason mentioned earlier, school public, you know, school races just don't get a lot of news coverage because there are so many districts. You know, Dallas has 17, Houston has 20 in Harris County alone. Uh, what do I do with this info and how do I, uh, you know, protect my own school system?
3: Well, and you just highlighted uh both the 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 good and the bad of the situation and the the, the reason this is a, an effective strategy for this extreme re- religious right group is that it's much when you think about <clears throat> the number of votes it takes to turn a school board election uh it is in the hundreds not even in the thousands Maybe right? maybe not the hundreds you know that it is a very small microcosm to do this right and so while you, when you can't win elections on a national level or a state level or wherever, it's very easy to come in and win a single school board election. But the same is true for us too, right? If you, if you, if, if, if you, if you let p- people know and activate them so that they'll show up and vote, but there's a fired up, activated, far-right religious base uh, and pseudo-religious base that is working on this. And if we are asleep at the switch they're, you're going to, we're going to wake up and they will have taken over every public school around us with this agenda. And suddenly things, things are going to change.
1: Mark, what I just heard there was you telling Whiteley that if he really wants to get involved, he should run. <laughs>
3: at least vote and at <laughs> least show up. You know, I think one of the other things I would say is our existing teachers and superintendents and principals, need to hear some love from us. They are embattled, they are worn down. You got the pandemic that's beat them up terribly. You've got parents carping from every direction on things. It is a it is the toughest job possible uh, in, 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 in education right now. And I think anything we can do to uh, uh, show some love and to show some support they need to know that we're with them. Uh, yeah, I think that yeah. final
1: point deserves uh, an exclamation put at the end of it there. Uh you know, we've seen so many superintendents leaving their jobs. Uh the Texas AFT, the statewide union with 66,000 members did a poll late last year and found 66% of their members had considered leaving their jobs in the past year. Imagine that while you're listening to this, your kids going to school, two out of 3 of their teachers deciding to hang it up. And I, th- I think a lot of people, you know, for all the carping that these teachers get, uh, I think a lot of people are, are very pleased generally with the teachers who are uh, instructing their kids. So, you know- And they should be mind. because
3: we have an outstanding public school system. It's not broken. Uh, can it be improved? Sure. Uh, but it, it is not broken. It's not, uh, it, it's not indoctrinating uh, leftist uh, propaganda. It is teaching kids how to think. And this is what's so dangerous to some people because they honestly don't want their kids to be taught how to think.
2: Good way to sum up uh, the podcast here, man. Th- thank you so much for the time, yeah. Mark. We really appreciate it. Glad to be with you.
0: Before y'all leave, click subscribe and get Yallatix every week. And if y'all want to talk instead of listen, you can reach the Jasons anytime on the Yallatix hotline at 214-977-6020. That's 214-977-6020.
1: And so that is uh, the rewind on that. Uh, yeah. Now we do the fast forward as we head into this next legislative session. And interesting thing on the list of priorities for uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick coming into this legislative session, and you were talking about this, right. uh, is that you know he always puts out this list of legislative priorities, and he gets to select really what's going to move through. If it doesn't have his blessing, it's you know gonna be kind of difficult. Yeah and you didn't see it on there
2: he, he left it off the list now what was that strategic if, if it's on the list he's clearly for it if it's off you know if it's he states that he's against it. He's against it, but he left it off the list. Mm-hmm. Which now, isn't stating that you're against yes, it. And you're not against it, and you could easily bring it in. It might not be a priority, but it could be something he supports.
1: And could it be brought in at a last minute? Uh,
2: uh, why, why wouldn't it? If there's support for it, I mean, we, we saw what he did with open carry as well, too. It didn't have support for the longest time. It was hmm. Dan Patrick who, who finally helped get that passed well, as well, you know, and
1: if I didn't want to get the opposition to something that I was interested in, if I didn't want to get them all riled up and ready for battle... I might not publish it either. Yeah. So that's a possibility as well.
2: Greg Abbott, the governor who just got reelected last November, he mm-hmm. said that he is, he expressed support for this, which is unusual as well because he hasn't really done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, he says he's for it. Dan Patrick who leads the Senate, Lieutenant Governor, didn't say he's against it, he just didn't include it on his priority list. So will it show up between now and the end of May in the yeah. legislature?
1: Uh, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to press play on this once again, not only because it was our second most downloaded episode of 2022, but also because, uh, this could very well be a big fight that could touch pretty much every family in Texas who has school-aged children, uh, and, and it could happen uh, here in 2023.
2: If there's anything stopping this, as you just heard in the episode there, I think it's going to be the rural Republicans who right. don't have as much access to private schools. They have to rely on, on, on the you know town school or the county school and things like that. They've been against this. Uh, but will they come around? That's the question.
1: Well, as Ed Lavendera pointed out to us here at Westlake Brewing, when yeah. we did a podcast with him last year, in a lot of cases, the school is sort of the central meeting place in a lot of these smaller right. rural towns, and it's the town is built around that public school, and in many cases in those rural areas, the school district is the biggest employer. So, you know, it, 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 it runs counter to a lot of people's uh, ideas of what progress is uh, in those places yeah. that are very conservative. N- no so, doubt. It's going to be an interesting fight if it happens.
2: Get ready for that one. There's a lot coming up uh, January 10th. It's so a week from Tuesday when the uh, legislature gavels back into session, and we're actually going to be heading down there here yep. within the next few days to, uh, to to kind of preview what all the fights are. But we wanted to play this one for you before we get on the road. If I'm riding with Wheeler, it's only going to take a few minutes to get from Dallas to Austin. <laughs> this guy is like, you know, he could get Mario Andretti a run for his money. I told you on, I've slowed 35.
1: down. I've slowed down. Have you really? I have. I've made a conscious decision. You to put slow a, down. a
2: governor on your 9-11? Or, I need a wh- governor on that thing. Yeah, yeah. You uh, should.
1: But we're going to mosey on down to Austin, and we're <laughs> going to bring you that uh, next week. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're taking Yolitics on the road with Whiteley's credit card. Yeah, we'll do it. Happy New Year, guys.
0: Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics. Like a post? Leave a comment. Or let us know the next beer that Jason should try.